how was Bono? How was, uh, he, he has hair still, right? Kind of course of. he has hair. <laughs> All of them have hair still. Every okay. member of you two has hair. You heard it here first. All right, look, plenty of people who are much, much, much younger than you two don't have hair. So it's not a ridiculous thing for me to ask. That's true. But and people with as much money as you two should have hair. Fair. I mean, they should all be part of the Jeremy Piven slash Elon Musk school of, of um, hair, you know. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Let me tell you the most exciting thing about the show that is rocket related. And that is that Bono used like an AR filter to make himself into McFisto again <laughs> to deliver a, a a speech about, I guess, uh, humanity turning a blind eye to racism and corruption and trying to ignore the bad things that are happening in the world, which was very good and also very scary and also so extremely Bono. Like, it's the most Bono thing that Bono has ever done in his life. And I yes. loved it. I, I would say it's the most Bono thing after, um, you know, the the special U2 edition iPod. And then he uh, was, uh, <laughs> his, 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 but, but that, that was pretty Bono. But what was more Bono Ooh. than that was, was when oh. um, his, uh, when his venture capital fund then invested in Palm and like, they all like tried to go head to head with Apple and that didn't really work. Oh no. And now, now he's. He probably made like a, a bet with them. Like, I'm going to invest in Palm. I'm going to invest. In- no, I can't do an Irish accent. I'm going to invest in Palm. I'll take you guys down. But then the condition yeah. was that if he lost, his soul would be owned by Apple. Well, and, and he and did then, lose. Um, exactly. And then, you know, um, Apple would, would still somehow end up putting the U2 album on everyone's phones, causing, you know, deep consternation. That was somehow so, part Simone, of the curse. When's the last time you listened to a new U2 album and you go, Wow, that's just a fresh new U2 sound right there. Actually, that's something. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, sorry, I'm screaming into the mic. Actually, I really like their new album. I do. I do think it has some different things, like American Soul, as as kind of overblown as it is, is a very. I, I like the rock sounds on that song. Um, yeah, I, I find yeah. it very good, uh, and I don't remember the names of many of the new songs and the album is across the room for me but yeah yeah my husband also really liked the album now he's over 12 years older than me and a lot (laughs) more than 12 years older than you but you could talk to my 53 year old husband sometime because he also likes the album quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) i'm just glad you had a good time and and as i said on last week's show if you listened i i for one understood you are you're choosing, you know, Bono over the pod. I get it. <laughs> I I can't forget. I don't you. have that much time left with them, okay, Christina? <laughs> no, I, no, genuinely though, I said I understood. Brie was the one who didn't. I was like, no, I, I didn't expect anything less. Like yeah, obviously you. you're yeah. gonna you're gonna pick Bono over us. And and I would have it no other way. I'm fine with that. Thank you for understanding me. It well it hurts, Simone. It hurt. It hurt deep. Listen. If you you two can't ooh wait I didn't mean to make that pun. (laughs) (laughs) You two are important to me, Bree. And by you I mean I you two, I definitely mean you. Wink, Uh wink, Brianna. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. Wink. You two are very <laughs> important to me. Uh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we 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 matter, we know. 
Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Linode. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined tonight by Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate and understanding friend, and <laughs> Brianna Wu, a Democratic candidate for Congress, and uh, not understanding, uh, l- l- rejecting of the importance of you two in the lives of the millennial youth. I, I just think it says so much that, like, I'm down with, like, your demon erotic fiction. <laughs> I just can't accept you, too. I, I'm sorry. Maybe I need to be more open-minded. I, you know, I'm okay with you taking the time to kind of get comfortable with this idea. I know that it is a lot to adjust to. And it, I, I'm asking you, I, I feel brave standing here and saying, like, <laughs> please love me even though i love you too <laughs> I, I just it's, every time you say you too i'm like transported back to 1997 and what a friends good year. where ross breaks up with rachel yeah. and then they play with or without you while ross is looking out over the city and rachel has a very 90s haircut that's all i'm thinking about <laughs> i just want you to know that so. It's a great moment, though. Honestly, yeah, that, that was, was a really good, good moment. It was good. That's why I remember and it. it. And, and so. then they also used like a U two sound alike for another kind of scene <laughs> where they're yeah. also kind of looking out the window, looking like it's raining. It's not U two, but it was according to one of the the, the DVD audio commentaries, which. Yes, uh, listeners will not be surprised that not only have I listened to the audio commentaries, I remember them from like 18 years ago, because that's me, uh, that they specifically chose a, a U2 sound alike for, for that. Cute. Let's talk about tech. Let's talk about Google <laughs> I.O. happening. I, that, I, that's freaking beautiful. Uh, Google <laughs> I.O. happened last week. Uh, so we're kind of going to be playing catch up here since I, I believe this happened after last week's show. Yeah, yeah. Literally, <laughs> it happened like we were recording our show. It was the the, the day two build keynote and day one I.O. And um, yeah, I didn't even know exactly what had been announced when we were recording last week. I think week, that's the so. general Sorry. rocket rule is that if someone's going to do something important, it'll happen during the show or right after. Oh, yeah. yeah well, okay. yeah, I mean, and, and, and we had two dev conferences last week. And, you know, frankly, one of them, like, we were attending. So that took precedence. Yeah, that would have been sorry. so awesome, though. Like, if we'd been at Microsoft, in a Microsoft booth, like, feet away from where you're recording all your developer content. And, like, now to our continuing coverage of Google, of Google I.O. I.O. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. I, I'm sure there were some people there who were, like, actively keeping up with it. Um, I've learned, I learned, though, you guys, I was actually very impressed. There is only so much information my brain can process at once. And that meant that I did not, like, look into the I.O. stuff in depth until like after build was over we finally found something that fully occupies you and it's organizing most of microsoft builds just the just the live part just the digital online experience yes all right so google duplex i think this is the the largest thing that we want to talk about so google is adding a a natural sounding artificial intelligence to Google Assistant that can not only call businesses and make uh, simple appointments for you, but also engage in the typical back and forth that might happen with a service that you're calling, such as negotiating or like what kind of haircut do you want and of these time options, what works for you or um, calling a restaurant and negotiating like what to order. So that is 
Buck Wild. Yeah, the demo, which, uh, you know, there's been a lot made of that because it was obviously a canned demo. It wasn't live. Um, you know, it was a video. It was, it was you know, not something that they were doing kind of in real time. And, and to my knowledge, you know, they weren't really showing off anything to, to other people. This is very much kind of still like, a, even though it's been announced as something that's going to happen, there's no real release date and we don't know um, when it does launch, how, what features it will have and how accurate it will be based on what we saw. But, um, you know, the demo was really impressive. Yep. Um, but also really creepy, if I'm yeah. going to be honest. Yeah, like I was yeah. both really impressed with how well the voice stuff sounded. It sounded really dead on. And the, the ums and the ahs and, and kind of the pauses, I thought of the AI were great. And the potential of what it's doing, really impressive, especially for natural language stuff. Uh, but at the same time, and this is just kind of my, my, my personal and longstanding kind of beef with Google a little bit, is that they tend to do really amazing things that also skis me the frack out. Yep. Yeah, it's like they they vary they go all the lengths to what the technology can accomplish without necessarily taking into account the humans emotional reactions to what those things are and as a person of course who has been on the phone with robots before, <laughs> obviously whatever Google is shipping ultimately here will be more we be better than my cable service but there's still like nobody likes to be on the other end of a line from an ai yeah and i feel like although in this demo like it was very realistic like at some point that has to fall apart and when it does fall apart it's going to be a service industry person's time who is horrendously wa- which is horrendously wasted yeah. yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think you're right. And and I think that this is, you know, Google has kind of a history of doing some of these things. Like, you know, Google Glass, I think, is probably one of the biggest ones. But also, I would even say the early things of kind of Google Assistant. You know, Google Glass had a great demo, and a lot of people were understandably freaked out by the privacy implications, even though that really didn't end up being a thing because it wasn't powerful enough for people to really live stream or do anything with it that would kind of violate your privacy um, in, in broad ways. But people were understandably not comfortable with it. Um, and then, you know, the first Google Assistant, you know, the OK Google stuff, and I apologize if I just activated anybody's home stuff, <laughs> you know, where it would just kind of, you know, monitor your email, monitor other things, and just kind of say, we know that you are on your way home or that you're going this route and we're just going to, automatically recommend and surface things that you want to do really useful but also kind of crosses into that uncomfortable line and for me this one I think it's kind of twofold I think on the one hand it's great that you could conceivably let your device call and make appointments for you especially if they have to deal with uh, people um, and and you're one of the people who doesn't like to be on the phone and as someone despite doing what I do I sometimes have like genuinely have like phone anxiety I don't like to call I do too. and talk to people yeah yeah and, and it's like a real thing like, I don't like it and I feel very uncomfortable so I would love this in theory but at the same time um, I you make a good point Simone which is that you're potentially frustrating the people on the other end who aren't part of it and then I think that it adds in this um, maybe sense of unease that we won't know if we're talking to an AI or not. I think you're right. There's an uncanny valley sort of effect there where it is about, it it, it very easily becomes a horror story of, I don't know, I can't, it's like body snatchers kind of deal. And obviously that's very much exaggerating it. Totally. But I think that's where the discomfort is coming from. No, I agree. And I also wonder 
And I'd like you guys' take on this, because obviously there's been so much kind of blowback from this. I think, you know, there's been, which is exactly, I think, probably the intended result. I don't think that Google goes into this event thinking that everyone's going to praise it. I think that they know that they're going to get equal amount of of love and hate. And and frankly, that's good because it means everyone's talking about them even a week later. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, but I wonder if it would make people more comfortable if there was some sort of verbal cue at the beginning beginning of the conversation that says, hi, this is a Google bot. I'm calling to make an appointment for so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Like, I wonder if that would, like, make people more comfortable with the whole thing. And I think think that really leads into, like, my thoughts about this. Because I saw this and, like, the selfish part of my brain is going, holy crap, I would pay any amount of money for that. Because so much of my job right now is doing call time to raise money, is doing call time to like, you know, bring volunteers to like recruit people. And the thought selfishly of having that kind of technology on election day to like call people up and remind them to go vote, like selfishly, I want that. And at the same time, I know it's going to be opening Pandora's box in a way that will make answering the phone even more horrific (laughs) than it is today. I mean, imagine a future where you can have like some candidate running for office running on like a really hate-based platform, like calling up people and having seemingly real conversations with some of the tricks we've had seen in election. You know, John McCain is in the news a lot. In 2000, when he was running for office, uh, there were calls given to people in key districts where he was running against George Bush yep. uh, saying he had an illegitimate uh, child that he right. had while he was in Vietnam. This lie has a real veneer of plausibility because he did indeed adopt a young girl from Vietnam oh. named Bridget. And, you know, this was like, right. It was terrible. I mean, it it, was beyond horrible. It really was. So imagine that, but automated on the phone talking to people. It's horrifying. Imagine, like, people don't talk about this, but the number of telephone scams has, if I remember Mm -hmm. the number correctly, is over quadrupled in the last five years. So imagine that when you don't even have to hire people to do it. Um, this is a really scary technology, and this is a really clear case of where we need um, government kind of proactively regulating this. And I do think that if you're using this technology, exactly as you said, Christine, at the beginning of the call, it needs to identify itself. It needs to be like, hi, I am a Google bot or something like that to like identify itself as a, an automated technology. That's got to be regulated because self-regulation is just not going to work on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do wonder, though, like how how well, even with regulation, it can be enforced just because already the phone scams that are happening all the time, like you said, they keep increasing and and spam calls that people are getting. Like I get dozens of calls a day sometimes to my cell phone number, and I've had the same cell phone number for um a really, really long time. And I, I frankly have no intention of, of changing it. And the only reason I know that the calls are fake most of the time is because they're coming from a number that looks just like mine. And I'm like, I don't talk to anybody with a 404 area code. So I, I yeah. know this isn't real. Um, but, you know, those sorts of things are, are are increasing. And so, and a lot of those people who are making those calls are not doing it from the United States. So I sometimes, so, you know, 
I, I, I agree with you on uh, that there should be legislation. I just do worry about how is that actually going to be enforced, well, given that we can't this, even stop uh, the, the current things. Yeah, but that's just using like robocalls, like a, a tape yeah. recorder thing. For this, you'd have to have a really big API to do this sophisticatedly from a Google or Microsoft. And they well, can keep a certain amount of control they, 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 well, they can. Yeah. Well, they can. But I mean, I, I guess to, to my, my counter argument, that would be eventually that's not going to be the case. Eventually these models, especially if people start to share them and, and do open source things with them and whatnot, maybe not Google's per se, but other ones will open up. I mean, again, look at deep fakes, which are remarkably good. And, and in some cases, the results can be better using, you know, the deep fake stuff than it can be using much more expensive, uh, you know, uh, commercial, um, uh, you know, computers with special effects, you know, can be very realistic. And people are running those off of, you know, their own virtual private servers, which could be in, you know, any country that aren't necessarily, they could be up on GitHub, could be up someplace else that, that could be not, you know, backed by a Google or Microsoft. So, I mean, I agree with you for the for the short term, but I think like long term, what this represents, I think it's going to happen, and I and I, I do question how much. Not to say that we shouldn't have legis- legislation or regulation, but I do have concerns about how well that's actually going to be enforced. I just, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think the time where you wouldn't have a Microsoft or a Google or some major corporation behind this, its it just seems like it's pretty far off. You're right, it will eventually happen, but all the more reason to start setting these norms now. And, you know, with, with this, the perfect is enemy of the good. And is there really any downside to letting a person giving them informed consent that they're working with the oh, bot? Oh, yeah. No, I, no, I agree yeah, with you. I, yeah. I agree 100%. And like I said, I mean, I think that that would not only be good for, you know, the purposes that you're outlining, but I think just to make people more comfortable in general. Like, I yeah. would feel better if I'm on the other end of a phone call and someone's calling to make an appointment and it says that this is a bot. And that way I know, you know... I think part of the the, the the magic, obviously, is that the, the person doesn't know and it can be serendipitous and it can be natural and you don't have to speak with it in a, in a staccato you know, voice and, and it's using the real natural language stuff. And that's awesome. But I also feel like because obviously those those demos aren't always going to be perfect and and if and when this does actually come out the way that they're saying that it will, and I have serious thoughts about that, um, you know, I think that if people knew what to expect if the conversation went awry, you know, you could adjust what you're saying to maybe, you know, have the bot respond differently. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I want to touch briefly on a point that you made way earlier, Christina, about um, hating making phone calls. And I guess the devil's advocate point to this would be, of course, that this is an accessibility tool. Yeah, Putting absolutely. it like that. That's um, a good point. That's a really good point. People being able to make phone calls without using their own voices is pretty, pretty cool in terms of accessibility, uh, especially if it is, if it does handle so many things itself. Um, and yeah, then, I hadn't uh, even thought of that because yeah. TTY services um, are expensive. Um, you know, mm-hmm. A, not every, um, you know, place, in fact, most places that you call won't have a TTY machine. So that's the machine where part of hearing people would type things in and, and it would come across kind of a terminal. Um, and what other, and, and what you have to do in, in, with all those instances is you have to pay somebody to actually kind of be an interpreter kind of on the call. So where they're reading the TTY terminal and then calling in, it can be a really expensive process, which is one reason why most deaf people that I know today 
don't bother with any of that and why, you know, they, they, they embraced cell phones and texting so early because it's just easier for mm-hmm. them to send text messages. Yeah. Well, uh, should we talk about some of the other stuff that happened at Google I.O.? Such <laughs> as Google Maps saving my life. <laughs> Yes, tell us so, about that. Uh, they are introducing an AR overlay into Street View that will kind of replace um, you, when you come up and you from the subway, for example, and you see the blue dot and you're trying to figure out which way it's facing. And it has yes. that sort of halo of light that's pointing in the direction that you're facing. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. it's very bad and unhelpful yep. and you walk the wrong way for a little while. Before figuring out that you're going that wrong way. Um, uh, yeah, so, you just described every day of my life, Simone. Every <laughs> single darn day that I go to a new neighborhood. But so this AR overlay would pop up in street view and point you in the right direction so you can actually see like, okay, that those buildings, that's the right way to go. Uh, and then the Google Maps uh, layout is at the bottom of the screen still displayed there. So I, I think that this is pretty cool. This is, to me... Uh, a great convenience that isn't based in evil or uh, preventing contact with other human beings. It's just like a very helpful way to use what Google already has, which is an extensive view of everywhere, every street in the entire world, uh, which is creepy, I guess, in its own way, uh, using that technology that they have to make people's lives easier. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm with you. Like I, I I like that and yeah, creepy, not creepy, whatever. Like before, the one thing I'll say about Google Maps and and they originally it was largely crowdsourced. Like actual individuals would have to enter stuff in and and kind of keep things up um, uh, to to date. And then you know they started sending out their own things. Um, but there were large swaths of of the world that were either not mapped or were mapped really poorly, and so. You know what? I give Google a lot of crap, but this is one of the areas where I'm going to be like, thank you. Yeah. yeah. You. Thank you so much. And, and, I don't know how I traveled the, without it. I was going to say, and thank you for the blue dot, because even though it can, as you say, be really, really bad, um, you know, once they started doing that indicator where you could see kind of like what direction you should be going in, that helped a lot. And I think this AR, over, this AR overlay is going to be even better. Uh, who wants to summarize the Android P updates? More like iOS? I don't know. <laughs> There's a notch now? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I get, We can talk I, about it more when it when the beta. Yeah. I, we, we, yeah. I mean, I know I'm, I'm terrible, you guys. I wrote an article after IO, I think it was two years ago, that was just called Android is Boring. And uh, yeah, kind of stand by it. I mean, I think the same is true for iOS, to be totally honest. I'm kind of bored with mobile operating systems, but um, there wasn't anything in it. I mean, maybe I missed something, but there wasn't anything that I saw that really stood out to me as being like, oh my God, I have to have this. I, I do say, like, as an iOS person, I, I'm consistently jealous of the Android notification system because the notifications in iOS are such hot garbage. But <laughs> other than that, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it looks nice. It's available on more than just the uh, the proprietary Google phones this time. Cool. Oh, that's actually, I did not know that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I think I have the list, on. actually. It's uh, the Pixels, the Essential, Nokia, and some Xperia and Xiaomi phones, Oppo, and the OnePlus when it la- six when it launches, nice. So okay, that's pretty good. A uh, pr- uh, pretty good range. Uh, obviously, Samsung is is not there because they like to do their own little uh, take on things. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, here's a cool thing. Actually, sorry, I'm looking at the I'm scrolling through the tech radar list now to remind myself about what I read earlier today. Uh, so they're creating basically interfaces to 
stop you from using your phone as much. So you can set app timers uh, and like set limits for yourself. And they have a dashboard apparently to tell you how you're spending time in apps. So it will shame me for being on Facebook Messenger. I really want that. I want that feature so much for iOS because I would love it to say like, I would love to know if I had just like an hour for Twitter a day. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. That would make me that would make me so much more conscious of how much time I spend there. And conversely, because I hate Facebook so much and I need to spend more time on Facebook because mm-hmm. that's where so many voters are, I'd be like, okay, Brie, let's get this over with. You gotta spend an hour on Facebook today. Suck it up and get it done. I would absolutely use that. So please yeah. make that happen. In okay, iOS. so yeah. yeah, no, that's not a bad idea. The one thing, here's what I'll say. I personally would hate those features the same way I don't like the the apps that exist on Mac and Windows where you can kind of like shame yourself from visiting things or, yeah. or keep track of timers. Because I'm not into that because I know that I'm just gonna, gonna disconnect it. I'll say this though. This is a great thing to do to your spouse, significant other, college roommate, coworker, whoever. Um, without telling them, you put a lock on, you know, a website or you know, time limit on a website or an app or whatever, and then just watch them go crazy when they can't access it anymore. That honestly, that I'm really looking forward to because I feel like there's going to be um, a lot of uh, a lot of fights happening because of this. Um, but it's a really good prank, and I'm I'm going to do it to some people that I work with for sure. I think it I think it just nudges you when you it says it uh, bugs you when you reach your limit. I don't know that it locks you out of your uh, app. Well, that's disappointing. But I, that's there, not there, fun. Are, there are so many apps for that. We don't we don't need to rely on Google to provide us with. With the ability to With troll ability. people. Yes. I know, I get it. Uh, the, the new multitasking, it is actually funny because the new multitasking looks exactly like the old iOS multitasking. Yes. Like, it's it's actually really funny. Um, like, it it's, wow. Everything it's, old is new again. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, now the iOS one kind of has the page-like sort of thing, but this one, like, literally looks just like the, I guess, from iOS 7 or whatever, where you would, like, have separate screens all on their own little page. That's It's it's really, really similar. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Linode. Woo! Yeah. Nice. Did you know that with Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices start, that start at $5 a month, and you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cl- cloud in under a minute? Did you nice. know? Whoa. That's, I love it. That's, did you know? Linode offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. And they now have 10 data centers spread across the world, which means you can serve your customers even quicker than before. Did you know? They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And did you know that everything is manageable via the command line? All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. So if you are interested in getting some rock-solid hosting, uh, Linode also offer additional storage. Uh, Block storage is now out of beta and available in Fremont, California and Newark. 
as we discussed last time that I mistook Fremont for Fremont, Seattle. It's not. <laughs> I'm a liar. It's not the Fremont oh. neighborhood in Seattle. It's, it's oh. California. Unfortunately. Oh. So Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, running Docker containers, or hosting a private Git server, many more things like that. And they're hiring right now. So if you're interested, listening to this and interested in that, you can go to linode.com slash careers. But if you just want to get the darn service yourself, they have fantastic pricing options available. Plans starting at one gigabyte of RAM for only $5 a month. And they offer high memory plans starting with 16. Uh, And as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash rocket, you will support us and you'll also get $20 towards any plan. So with the one gigabyte plan, that's for four free months and they have a seven day money back guarantee. So there is nothing to lose in this situation. Go to linode.com slash rocket. That is L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash rocket to learn more, sign up and take advantage of your $20 credit. Or you can use the promo code rocket2018 at checkout. That's 2018. Thank you so much, Linode, for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. Yay! Yay! Um, I, I I will say uh, a good thing to do with your Linode box is uh, what we were talking about last week, which we would never ever do, which would be to have an open VPN uh, connection so that you could watch TV in a different time zone. Um, that's, that's, that's totally something that you could do. Not that we would recommend but it, don't. but it's but don't. I mean, be I mean, very bad. Yeah, I, I totally don't do that at all. No, no one ever does. Would you, how would you respond to that if you saw someone that did that, Christine? Wow. You'd probably be so upset. You'd probably buy um, them a drink to talk to yeah, them about it. I, I would. Yeah. I would have to buy them a drink and yeah. give them a high five about it. I would definitely yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah. So definitely yeah. don't tell me if you're doing that, if you see me, because um, I definitely don't want to have to. That's you know, so brutal. <laughs> I can't believe. Like, I hope most of our listeners know that, of course, Christina would never do that to you. She would never, never I, buy you a drink and give you a high five for watching never. television I, in a non-traditional like feel, way. I like to feel like Rocket teaches people the difference in right and wrong yeah. week after week. Yeah. That's what I, we're all about. I, again, as we said last week, we respect uh, 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 time zones and and and, and uh, region uh, region uh, you know uh, licensing agreements. Hey, speaking of the difference between right and wrong, who wants to talk uh-huh. about net neutrality briefly? Oh, my gosh. We do. So the Senate uh, had another vote. Uh, They were using something called the Congressional Review Act, which basically meant they could expedite reviewing uh, new legislation. So the Senate voted 52 to 47 to reinstate net neutrality, which does not mean that net neutrality is reinstated. It means that they have to have another vote before January of next year and also that uh, it's on its way to the House, where the Democrats uh, will, according to Gizmodo, uh, need to convince 25 Republicans to also mm-hmm. vote in support of net neutrality. So the, the shame of our, con- our Congress continues. But this is this is very good. This is very good in the in the ongoing battle to protect net neutrality. Like I'll say this, even though the likelihood of it getting through both the house and then the president, um, you know, agreeing to, to, to a changing things is still slim. 
I didn't think that this was going to get through the Senate. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. But what I'm more optimistic about, and I would love to hear like you guys' take on this, especially yours, Bree. Um, I feel like because public sentiment is so negative against repealing net neutrality, that even if this doesn't get through the House, um, and I, 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 side tangent, I do actually think that if it gets through the House, I wouldn't be surprised if if Trump would go ahead and sign the order just because even though he's been against that neutrality, to me, Trump knows nothing about computers. Like, he's never turned one on. He's never used one. So I don't think he's invested one way or another for anything to do with cyber policy. So I just feel like if he, if, if he could be convinced that it'd be a win for him and make him popular, he would sign whatever. Um, but I feel like even if this doesn't get through the House, this could at the very least maybe give more states, um, I guess, ammunition to... Uh, create their own bills like like some have like like Washington state uh, where I live have to basically set their own laws in place to keep net neutrality um active even if there is a, a repeal um or you know even if the repeal isn't um thrown out so you know that opens up a bunch of states rights questions but then ultimately that goes to the supreme court which is ultimately a good thing because that can just delay um any of these <laughs> policies from actually, actually yeah from actually taking place so Until i feel we like all die. Even, so I feel like even like worst case scenario, if this doesn't get through the House, at the very least, because of how unpopular um, repealing net neutrality is, this could help um, bills pass in other places that that might limit how bad the fallout could be. I have a question about this, actually. So the House has till January to vote. Do you think that they will wait until midterms are over or are they going to do it now while they absolute while the Republicans absolutely have an advantage? I don't know because I don't again, I mean it's 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 interesting in that it is definitely more Republicans are in favor of repealing or or, or not more Democrats are in favor of repealing than Republicans, but it's never been a, a party line issue. And with mm-hmm. how unpopular it is, you could almost make the argument that it could be kind of a an you know, depending on if it's an issue or not, like you could see um people uh, wanting, you know, to to use it to, to either gain votes or, or to run, mm. you know, against a, a candidate. Yeah. Um, I don't know, honestly. Um, I, I I don't have any real read on that. What about you, Bree? You're you're the actual politician here. Um. So I think that there is a really easy mistake to make uh, that I had to learn when I started running for office, which is. Um, kind of mistaking what media Twitter and what our Twitter thinks as to what the actual population cares about. Um, So what I've found in actually being a politician and being out talking to voters as opposed to tech people, they don't understand this and they don't care. So I don't, yeah. Yeah, but, sorry. I mean, you're, you're not wrong, but I do feel like this is one of those issues where even though the vast majority of people don't care, there has been because this has been so contentious, it was contentious a few years ago, it was contentious yeah. again. There's a lot more um, subtle awareness, I think, for this as opposed to a lot of other topics. I, and it's there's one of those, elitist awareness, I would argue. Yeah, and, I mean, and, yeah. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, it, it depends on how they're able to kind of frame it. But I think that you can have a good campaign that says, we're going to charge you more, we're going to limit 
how fast you can get things and, and yeah. you know, um, that you can, you can appeal to regular people who kind of understand, hey, this is going to make things bad for me. You absolutely can. And we find that uh, every day on the campaign trail. Even uh, today I was driving, I was meeting with Politico and coming back out of town, I was passing uh, a billboard for our main NPR station. And it was like from, uh, from Natick to net neutrality, like we've got mm-hmm. you. And I'm like, wow, that's really shocking to me. That would make like a mass market billboard in Boston. Uh, but as far as the actual vote itself... Um, I gotta be honest, I, uh, we've seen this pattern so often in politics where the Senate does the right thing, which is the more senior, more mature, more thoughtful body that tends to produce better legislation, and then the House comes and just destroys it. So, um, you know, I want to believe the right thing. I really, really do. Um, but I wasn't, I, I'm not gonna, like, stop holding my breath until they actually pass it and do the right thing. I would Mm -hmm. love to be wrong here. I just don't think they're going to do it. So, All right. Well, we said this was going to just be a short touch on it since it's nothing conclusive yet. So let's move on to our second big topic of the day, which is YouTube, after two years, has decided to kill what is now YouTube Red and essentially split it into two services, one being YouTube Music, which will replace Google Play Music, and the other being YouTube Premium, a separate service that will focus on the original programming that YouTube is just so beloved for. Um, I'm being snide and flippant. But anyway, so YouTube Music is essentially what is existing of the music portion of YouTube Red right now uh, with some additional sort of Spotify-like services like personalized playlists based on your YouTube music history or your history of listening to music on YouTube, I should specify. Um, It will also be $10 a month, which is what YouTube Red is now. And then the YouTube Premium will also... I Actually, sorry, let me back up on that. They are soft launching it, and then I think it will be $10 after this soft launch, which is happening. YouTube Premium Mm. will also be $10. So they're they're I, has I think a, YouTube has, has, can be twelve. Actually. Oh, is it twelve? My bad. I was going to say. I was sure. gonna say yeah. Uh, yeah. It says now YouTube intends to charge two dollars more for the other parts of YouTube, right? So it'll be ten dollars yeah. for the music stuff, and then you'll have to pay another two dollars to get presumably access to no ads and the the original content. Is that how it's? looking yes yes that is right sorry about my price discrepancy no 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 i was just pissed because like i'm gonna be affected by this so yeah i think we're all (laughs) a little bit it makes sense to me but it's also no this is bs it doesn't make sense because they've had a ridiculous going back so originally before they called it youtube red there was a thing called youtube music key and it was an idea where you would have like access to all the music on youtube and whatever um and it would also give you access to google play music which again separate service even though they're connected you don't share libraries you don't share playlists you don't share other things although if you pay for one you get the other um and apparently they're they're finally going to make it one service you've only had five years google um 
but but anyway, they they launched Music Key. Um, this I think was three years ago, and that was in a beta because I've been grandfathered into this beta plan for eight dollars <laughs> for three years, and I'm never I'm never unsubscribing because I'm only paying eight dollars for the ten dollars service. This is why I'm mad. And then they launched YouTube Red, which had the terrible original content, which I think Cobra Kai is like the only good thing they've probably ever had. Yes, and I'm not even saying that's good. I'm saying that's like that's good for YouTube. How could you stuff. say that about Logan Paul's film, the <laughs> the learning? Look, we've all discussed this. The only good thing he was ever in was the Gamergate episode of SVU. And it's we quality. didn't even know that. We didn't quality. even know that he was the star of that until we were all like talking to one another and then had collective screams. We but were so ignorant. We we were so excited. <laughs> that was the best day. No, but um, no, but then they so they had this music key service. Then they decided to do this YouTube music, which is different, but also bundle it in with YouTube Red and kind of say, okay, well, if you pay $10, you get access to our streaming stuff. You get access to the YouTube music app, which I guess is a thing. I've never used it. And you get access to the, the you know, um, ad-free YouTube. And so I don't like the ads on YouTube. And I know I could just use like an ad blocker or whatever, like a proxy thing, but I'd rather not. And so I just pay the $8. But now they're basically saying, I'm going to have to pay $12 just so I don't get the ads. And I don't watch the original content and I don't care about the music because I already pay for both Spotify family and Apple music. So, oh, and I have a title subscription again because of Beyonce. <laughs> so, because when I bought Beyonce concert tickets, they gave me a six month subscription. So like I, I, I need another music service or the whatever iteration of, of Google's music service. Like I need a hole in the head, but now I'm going to be paying presumably $4 or more a month just so I don't have to deal with ads. I'm mad. You have convinced me because I the part that I thought made sense was which I still do think makes sense is that they're getting rid of Google Play Music and just yes. make it YouTube because like you own both Agreed. of them. Don't do well, this and, and to you, yourself. Don't cannibalize well, yourself. Also, but well, your use also, case also, I think is is not right. uncommon. No, here's the thing. I totally agree. Don't have two music services. That's stupid. But as it's existed now, if you subscribe to, to Google Play Music, you also got the YouTube Red. It just wasn't like an obvious feature. Yeah. So it wasn't like you had people paying for both. You just had two separate services that existed for some reason. So yes, have one music service. Absolutely. Um, but it just seems silly to me. Like, I don't know. To me, this whole thing looks like it's just a way for them to juice their Google, it's always looked to me like it was a way for them to, to juice their Google Music numbers so they could juice, go to the record juice, labels and be juice, like, juice. exactly. They're like, oh, look, well, we have all these paying subscribers who are paying for music. It's like, no, they're not. They're, they're, they're still paying watching. for no ads. They're paying for no ads and they're still listening to music primarily through music videos that you may or may not be getting money from depending on, you know, if it was uploaded through the label or, or, or not. So I don't know. I just, I, I don't like it. Like I'm, I'm not happy with Netflix having raised their prices not that long ago for um, people who had multiple uh, screens for the Ultra HD. But whatever, Netflix gives me a lot of content. I'm, I'm really not down with Google literally giving me nothing new at all mm-hmm. except for some music features that I don't care about. And then being like, oh, by the way, for the stuff you actually want, I'm going to now charge you more money. Like, I don't yeah. think I, I'm not yeah. down with that. I feel like That's there's exactly. a lot of tension between YouTube as this sort of professional service that is working with labels and like offering music and original programming mm-hmm. and YouTube as a social media platform that is hosting yes. these independent vloggers who are trying to make money on that platform, but don't have yes. sort of the relationship with YouTube that a record label can have. 
Yeah, no, and and that's always kind of been the weird place, in my opinion, where Google is sat. And what what's really always come to a head with that is that, um, for the most part, you know, any of those creators, and this even includes like big media companies, you know, like like, like Polygon and like my former employers, and and even you know Microsoft now, as as we're starting to experiment putting more of our content on YouTube, like I do at my job. You know, we don't have, we don't monetize our content, but say we did, like if we wanted to buy ads or whatever, you know, to, to you know, get more, um, more views or, or, or reach different audiences, like YouTube doesn't give um, most creators access to like direct relationship with the mm-hmm. advertisers. So, but that they do have, but but they kind of do give the the labels and those people more direct access to things. So it's one of those things where like brands are always in the driver's seat. And if you are just creating content on YouTube's platform and you're not part of the establishment, you kind of get the short end of the stick. Um, and then I think for consumers, it's kind of confusing because you kind of have these two worlds. Like on the one hand, people go to YouTube, I think, for the original content they've come to expect. You don't go there for for, you know, like high quality Hollywood, you know, level long form movies. They've tried to be doing that. And, and, um, uh, 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 Susan Daniels, who is the, the head of content for YouTube, she used to work at MTV and she used to, uh, I think she was at Lifetime before that. And she was, uh, at, uh, the, the WB, um, her husband is, uh, Greg Daniels, uh, creator of the office, but, um, she has a really long history in, in, um, you know, network exec stuff. And, and I think she's really smart, but I do sometimes wonder when I look at their programming things and like, is your audience, I don't think your audience profile is ever going to be like the same audience profile that you see watching Hulu or watching Netflix mm-hmm. or watching right. Right. other things. Just because the way YouTube was sold to people and how people have come up on it, it's not to say that the people who are making content don't spend gazillions amount of dollars, especially to make it look like they didn't spend money. But it's just, it's different. It's a different concede. And and I, I don't know. I think like the original stuff for me, for YouTube is, I I can't think of anything original they've put out that actually like. I don't watch has, it. I, I, I don't, don't either. And I, you know, for me this year, YouTube has probably become my number one app that I watch on Apple TV, like more than HBO, even with Westwood, more than Showtime, even with Homeland, which I watch repeatedly. I I watch a lot of YouTube. And it took me a while to really get hooked into it because you think of YouTube as just being random, low-quality blogs. But what I learned is every single esoteric subject that I care about has a YouTube channel. There's Mm -hmm. a a guy out there that does nothing. He's obsessed with Super Mario, uh, Paper Mario on the N64. And uh, Great game. Sorry, this was the... uh, it was the GameCube version of it. Oh, okay. And he's freaking obsessed with it <laughs> to the point that he has an entire channel about breaking this game and all the ways you can like hack it and sequence break it. It's just freaking amazing. There are channels devoted to trying to explain why Selfie was actually the sorceress in Final Fantasy VIII. And like, it's a 50-minute video talking about that. If you love cars, like there is more content for cars and Porsche on YouTube than is imaginable. And every single morning I wake up and I'm like drinking coffee. I like turn on YouTube and Mm -hmm. I do that while I'm drinking coffee. It is a great service. But when they start going, well, okay, YouTube music and this video is Mm -hmm. over here... And, and, you know, this is over here. Like, the premium content doesn't matter. I just don't want to watch freaking 10 ads for Tide Pods if I'm trying to, like, just watch a video on Final Fantasy. And I think that 
the thing is, like with Westworld and HBO, it's a premium experience. Absolutely. Even though it's $15 a month, I go, that's worth it. Yeah. And with this, it doesn't feel like I'm really paying the creators. It feels like I'm paying YouTube. So when you're charging me the same that Hulu does, it just starts Mm. to feel really gross and exploitative to me. Especially, and this is what I would love to know, Simone, how much money do people like you or Polygon actually get from a YouTube channel? I mean, how many cents of that ad dollar do you actually end up with? I do not know, unfortunately, and I can't speak to that. But I do know that we are not uh, on YouTube Red and when we were streaming on YouTube and we tried to preview our streams, we would have to watch ads before previewing mm-hmm. our own live streams, right. which was freaking ridiculous. But um, I mean, I guess we're making our own, making money for ourselves in that sense. True entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I mean, it, it does it does always become an interesting challenge for for media organizations or brands is that they have to say, okay, YouTube is where you get the reach the audiences, but they don't pay as well. And so, I mean, it's one of the reasons why you've seen a lot of YouTubers go to Twitch because Twitch, at least for the time being, pays better and, and has, you know, the, 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 the Twitch um, prime model and things like that. Um, uh, but, or, or, you know, what, like what Mashable made many mistakes with their video strategy, many, but one of the biggest was that they went back and forth a bunch of times between having our own player and YouTube and then trying to say, well, we'll also put it at both places, but embed our own player on the website and then also put the stuff on YouTube, you know, for people to find and then also have it on Facebook. You know, there, there, there are a lot of things there, but the bottom line is, I mean, the number one search engine in the world is, is Google. The number two is YouTube. I don't know. Like, I'm not opposed to paying for, for YouTube, but I think you nailed it, Brie. I don't feel like when I pay my $10 for, you know, YouTube Red or if it's soon to be $12 or whatever, I don't feel like the creators are ever getting a cent of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like Google's getting that and record labels are getting that. And, and like, I'm not opposed to record labels getting a cut for, you know, like licensed music. But again, I already pay, you know, $25 a month for music services. And they're getting it so, because they have the clout to be able to demand it. And right. demonetization is what is the the big issue for YouTubers right now is that smaller channels, which is most channels that are making content there are just not seeing they're they're feeling ignored by the platform. So, I mean the 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 number of people who are making who are seeing money from YouTube and from advertising is so small. Which mm-hmm. is not abnormal, but it's things like this that make those creators feel like YouTube just doesn't give a crap about them at all. Which yeah. they don't, but, you know, it's nice to and feel And that's wanted. what's unfortunate, Simone. I mean, your videos are so... You have so much talent. It just makes me sick how much talent you have. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you really... You're awesome. And, like, the people on YouTube that I love to watch, like Chris Harris... He's like a guy from uh, Top Gear. You know, he's British. His insights are awesome. There's so much talent on YouTube. And these are people that just generally wouldn't work on even the the, the old cable TV format. No. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Totally. I mean, because in a lot of ways, it, it is kind of like, you know, cable access, but with higher production values and with, and with, and, but with the potential for way more people to see it. Because like you said, you can get so nuanced. And I think sometimes we're clouded by that. You see, you know, the ninjas of the world, the PewDiePies, the, the Jake and Logan Pauls, the, you know, like the really big, you know, YouTubers that the people from from older eras, you know, like the Tyler Oakleys and and Shane Dawson's and and I Justine's, you know, who 
that's the other part of this too, right? Is that it's also fleeting. It's like you have, you can have millions of subscribers, but um, it, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will, you know, last forever. Mm-hmm. People come back and continue to watch you. But it, it's, you know, people can get way bigger audiences than they could in the in the cable um, access days. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of the same thing, just with much more expensive cameras and, um, you know, um, brief, uh, brief CNN um uh, you know, uh, as uh, uh, sojourns for twenty five million dollars that that definitely didn't pay off for CNN. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we talk about uh, our our dessert topic of the day? Yes, yes, yeah, I'm excited about this. Yes, so this is a, an amalgamation topic. Uh, Christina recently pointed me towards these retro ass phone cases for the iPhone ten uh-huh. that are modeled after old iMacs. Yep, and mine this, comes next week. Oh, you you got it next week. Oh, uh huh. Yeah, no, I bought it like I- instantly, absolutely. And they're yeah. made by your favorite company. And then I also found today a video uh, from Dieter at the Verge about basically him turning his leather, his Apple leather phone case into a more worn, like unique phone yeah. case. And I kind of just wanted to talk about our urge to make. These devices, which are very perfect and not very unique, to make them personal or a reflection of our nostalgia or like kind of beat up in some way. I think that that's that's super cool and interesting. And it's not an urge that I've had to do with my phone case. Like mine is very sleek and lovely. But I loved I loved watching Dieter like sand off the covering of his the sealant of his leather case so and like good. put coconut oil on it to make it like more beat up i thought that that was a very fun project and kind of no interesting it, no it was very funny because i i had just been making a, a dig at casey neistat's expense um and and it, he did he was totally casey neistatting his phone case because you know casey does that to his sunglasses where he takes his ray-bans and scratches them and spray paints them and then scratches off the paint and does other stuff like he has to break in his sunglasses and that's kind of what Dieter is doing to his phone case which uh i appreciate like and and i i also have to say like having watched the video the case looked a lot better after he like destroyed it it did yeah it did but I mean, it's not going to last in the long term. Like that eh. case is on there for a reason, you know, the coding rather. So, yeah. you know, I mean, this is what they did to car seats uh, to put that like plastic spray coating all over it. Like real leather seats like don't last. And that's right. the reason they sprayed that same coating over it. So you can actually live and have your car without like destroying the leather. Do they yeah. do that with leather couches? And if not, Depends Why? on the quality of it. It depends. Yeah, it depends yeah. on on um on how treated they are. And and with a leather couch, it would if if it's an expensive one, they probably do some pre treating and some like pre wear. But um like it's done in a certain way. I mean, and even even denim, like it's a very frequent thing. I've spent many hundreds of dollars on pre torn, pre distressed, pre whatever you know jeans that deliberately look. Um, ratty and 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 beat up and and whatnot, and then are then dry clean only. Yeah, you know. So what drew you to the iMac phone case? Oh yeah, it's just an iMac phone case. So, so I mean, wait, can we tell people what this is first? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Sure. So yeah, yeah. Of course. So so it's on Indiegogo right now, but it's going to be um, on um, Amazon soon. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but the the case company Speakin, who actually makes the case that my current phone is in, like it's just a, a cheap like clear iPhone 10 case. Um, 
put out for the 20th anniversary of the iMac, which was last week, um, which makes me feel so old. Uh, <laughs> they, they basically created the, these uh, cases that, that recreate the colors and kind of the, the, the lickable kind of plastic aesthetic of the original iMac. And they, they had them available in a couple of different colors where you could get like a multi-pack. And then they also created one that looks, um, makes the iPhone 10. And they now are also going to offer one for the iPhone um, 8 and 8 Plus that makes it look like the original iPhone. So it's, you know, silver, you know, on the top and kind of the black, um, uh, you know, bottom part and, and kind of that curved aesthetic. And uh, I don't know, like, I... I don't like that I have to have a phone case to my iPhone 10 because I, I love it and I would love it just to be naked, but it's so expensive and it's so delicate that I'm just not willing to do that. And I'm at the point now where I've had the clear case, but it's getting gross and all that. And I just, I saw that and I was just like, you know what? No, it it's, it's nostalgic in a good way and it's original and I will always know that that's my phone and hell yeah, I want a freaking <laughs> iMac phone case. Like, it was one of those things, like, I think I put it in the Relay Slack. I yeah. put it in, in in my Slack at my work. Like, I was, I put it on Twitter. I was like, yes, I'm here for it. <laughs> like, I can't wait. I can't wait to get it. Oh, my gosh. I, I, so, <laughs> this is nothing to do with the actual product. But have all of you seen the video that they have along with it? So, it, like, yeah. starts on this, like, child's birthday party. Yeah, it's, it's not a good video. And it's like... But this is my question. So then, like, at some point, it, like, cuts to, like, this child. I don't know kids very well. Maybe. <laughs> is he eight? Is he ten? I don't know. I, yeah, it's somebody... like all of a sudden, like, it's, it's right. like, 20 years later. So and 20 he's the same years age. later. And he's, like, a 50-year-old dude. Like, now, it's, now he's, like, giving yeah. his kid something. I'm like, What? So yeah, it's yeah. just like uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Did did yeah. did did not love the video, uh, but um, I did appreciate their use of Myriad um, as the font in um, in the the, the on text <laughs> graphics. Uh, Myriad Pro, nice choice because that used to be you know the Mac uh, uh, the Apple font before they they switched to a uh, uh, Helvetica and Helvetica New. Um, I do appreciate the fact that on the inside of the case they have in cursive "Hello again," which you know. Classic. I, 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 it is, but I'm also kind of looking at. I'm like, I wonder if that's getting a little close to violating anybody's anything. But maybe they made it just <laughs> different enough. I don't care. Yep. I want mine. Um, I, the, the colors look really good. Uh, you can get it in, uh, in in graphite, snow, sage, and ruby. And now they have a special like a uh, push goal thing where you can get it in um, a blueberry or um, a grape. Tangerine is not there, which I know has made some people upset. But uh, no, I. Uh, I sh- yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. The, the ad was not good, but the the case looks fantastic. And like, even it's though it's going to be the bulky, fact that it's cutting from like a kid, and that's the oh, kid grown up. Yeah, and the dude is like forty years older when it's been like twenty, 20 years. years. Totally. Like, okay. How, wait, how? Made, where are you seeing that choices. it's only been twenty yeah. years though? Well, because he's been... he was because he's opening up the iMac. He can't go right. from like oh, an iMac. You're right. You're right. Oh my god, I can't freaking understand the passage of time yeah yeah because you can't go from <laughs> 1998 to suddenly 2018 like and be like 40 years older because it's like right. a weird thing because you're right, you're right. Like, okay if he's like 10 he'd be like 30 and maybe have like a two-year-old or something right, but right. but yeah it, it's, it's like he's been making some really bad life or he's like got the benjamin button like aging thing i don't oh, even no. know like the whole thing is weird um or i guess the reverse but i guess benjamin button age <laughs> reverse so not benjamin button but but the other one the um the robin williams one where they were you know uh from that movie where where they got like old really fast. Oh, um, big, big. 
No, no, no. There's a Robin Williams movie in like also in 98 that was not good. Um, okay. But yeah, so, so I Jack? think, uh, no. That should be the title. There's a Robin Williams movie <laughs> in 1998. It was not good. Uh, no, uh. So it, 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 it was kind of his, his post Goodwill Hunting kind of era of not goodness. Like he gets the Oscar and then made some questionable choices like Patch Adams and um, a 24-hour photo. Anyway, yeah. I digress. But no, I uh, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm all about like as much as I hate nostalgia tech, I'm such a hypocrite because I love this so much. But also, you guys, like, they've raised $110,000. This was yeah. the part that made me laugh so hard. Let me get the exact number. So they are 2,193% over their their goal. <laughs> their wow. goal was five thousand and they've raised hundred thousand dollars. And, and it was and it was flexible funding. It was one of those things when I saw it, like I think that I, I saw it pretty early. And I think that uh, it was actually my friend Allie who like alerted me on Twitter to this. I think they already sold out their early bird thing, their early, early bird. So I got in on the next round and they'd already <laughs> blown past, you know, their their goal. Um, but I was like, this is spigging. Like this is like a big, well-known case maker. I was like, why are they on Indiegogo? Clearly, you know, they can... They they know there's demand for this. I, I I think they I think it was a hype thing, and I also think they probably didn't know how many of these they needed to make. That's what I was gonna say is that they have probably got because it is a campaign, quote unquote. People are compelled to like show it around. I think, and they're yeah. I, I would imagine they're getting a lot of publicity for uh, it. I I have to say this to Rocket listeners. I I would recommend letting Christina get this and then finding out if the quality is there. Yeah, I because um, looking it's, it's, at the picture, I'm not sold on it. Yeah, I'm just I mean, not. Yeah, fair enough. And I'll take photos and 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 uh, and offer my take. So I am supposed to ship on the 25th, so I won't have it for next week's show, but I'll have it for the week after. Um, right. And I will and I will offer my my legit opinions on Twitter and all that. But no, I'm I'm excited. I mean, like I said, I have cases from this company, so I'm not. Like the, so they're good that. cases, because yes, it's plastic, and plastic yeah. cases tend to age faster than the Nazis at the end of like Temple <laughs> of uh, Doom or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, like, Christina or Brie. <laughs> it's true. Who are you? I don't know who them. you are anymore. They, it starts and they're gorgeous and then they get a scratch and suddenly it looks eh. like yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, but it's also like it was like twenty two dollars. I don't really care. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's it's a twenty dollars case for my fourteen hundred dollars phone. Like, honestly, like you know <laughs> I what I mean. Eagerly like, await Christina's I review I of this phone case. Yeah, we, the other thing await. I'm getting, the other thing I'm getting, we'll talk more about some um, other stuff like travel things at, at a future date. But um, Twelve South came out with this new thing called the AirFly, yeah. and it's just a Bluetooth receiver, but it has a really great design. And what it basically is, is uh, just a way like for you to use your AirPods or your other Bluetooth headphones, like on an airplane or with a Nintendo Switch or with anything that has a headphone jack, but not a Bluetooth connection. So the way they're showing it is, and this is like a real thing that's happened to me on my last trip was I kind of got bored of everything that was on my iPhone or my iPad. And I wanted to watch the movies on the um, the Delta, you know, playing because it can't it had like a lot of actually recent movies, it's and I was like, I'd Delta? like to do this. Yeah, wow. I have sat. Well, I have status. <laughs> so, um, but, but um, so and and they're like one of the Microsoft's like preferred partners or whatever. But oh, um, okay. so because yeah. like I book on my my you know travel corporate, but um, and now I have status. So yes, but um, get those miles. <laughs> but um, you know, I was one of those things where I. 
I like wanted to watch the movies on the, you know, behind the seats thing on the electronic thing, but because I have Bluetooth headphones, I couldn't connect it and I'd have to like find a cable and go through rigmarole like this way. The agony and the ecstasy. Exactly. So this way you can like still have your Bluetooth headphones and just like plug in this little dongle into that adapter and it lasts eight hours. So you can, you know, uh, get the best of both worlds. I was so, I'm, I'm so mad at myself when I like, I remember looking at all of my headphones as I was leaving at like four in the morning to go to the airport to go to California. And I was like, why would I need those? I will bring my headphones that I use every day. And then I like was in the lift on the way to the airport. And I was and like, you're like, that's no why, headphone jack. Cause it's a lightning only connector. You fool. Yep. You can't plug them into your switch. Yup. You dummy. Yeah. No, this is what I'm excited about um, is that uh, is, is using it with the switch because it's got a, a battery too. So like I can have my switch on the plane and uh, love just it. keep my air, my AirPods or my um, Sony um, uh, headphones in. I but do anyway. want to some week when there's not a lot of news, I want to have a topic where we just talk about how we travel. Yeah, because we're going to do put it. So much thought into my bag mm-hmm. and I hear like, all your what tips. gadgets I go because like, I was, when I was flying out to Microsoft Build. I swear to God, this happened. Like, I show up at the Boston airport and the dude starts like lecturing me. And this is what I do. I go, I got this game on lock. And I just, boom. Yeah, I throw my bag up and I throw my iPad and I throw my 12 inch MacBook and I throw my liquids in the bag and I throw <laughs> my shoes there. And I've done it so much. And I'm just like, behold. <laughs> and like, you know, because we travel a lot. Everybody yeah. on the show. Everybody on the do. show does. Yeah, yeah. No, we've all got trips coming up in um in June. And uh, so, Everywhere. yeah, I, I yep. it, it, um, Brie, you're going to be definitely WWDC. I don't know yep. if I'm going to be there. Simone, you're going to be at E3. I'm going to be in London the week, the second week of June. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we should definitely talk about our tips because it is getting to be that time. And honestly, Absolutely. like, I've, I've become like a real like hardcore like travel gadget yeah, junkie. Let's plan that for like end of June after we've all gotten back from our trips and then we're fresh and ready yeah, to talk about it. travel cuz we'll have just done love it. it. Yeah, love sounds it. good to all me. Right. Love it. What are we up to this week, Christina? What are you doing? Uh yeah, so just kind of recovering from build and kind of planning oh. for some other things, um doing some optimizations on our on our YouTube channel cuz all the videos that we shot and other things at the conference are all up and now it's kind of a mess. So I'm now having to kind of manually go through and, uh, and, and make things better, um, which is fine. Um, we're going to get a better process in for next time. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm going to be in, uh, in London uh, the second week of June. And so kind of planning some things around that. Um, and uh, oh, I have Taylor Swift next week on Tuesday. <sighs> Yes. So uh, the Taylor Swift concert, the Reputation concert, is going to be in Seattle, and uh, I'm extremely excited. Congratulations! So w- you yes, thank you very much. Um, it will be like my U two, um, and except fortunately, it's on a Tuesday, so I don't have to miss the show. So yes. yeah, excellent, that's what I'm excellent. <laughs> Marie, what are you up to? Uh, so I'm jumping on a train tomorrow to come down to BuzzFeed. Uh, BuzzFeed is holding a women in tech conference along with uh, uh, tech ladies, which Allison, friend of the show and occasional co-host when Christina is not here. Uh, she threw, she's throwing a big conference uh, down there with a ton of awesome people in tech. It is already sold out. I tried Woo-hoo. to get some of my donors into the event and I can't <laughs> because it's that sold out. Um, so I'm going down to New York and then I'm coming back and I'm going to see Han Solo this weekend, which I'm very excited about 
mostly just for Donald Glover, but you know, there are totally, this, I was going to say, so you're seeing Han Solo, uh, uh, Simone, are you going to see Han Solo or Deadpool too? I need to see one of them. And I'm actually kind of anticipating solo, uh, cause Julia yeah. liked it and I didn't hate the trailers. So I'm, I'm here for Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, my, my friend Alex uh, 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 Billingsley, uh, Billingsley, who does uh, ComingSoon.net, um, gave it a really, really good review. So um, I'm, like, excited about that. I want to see Deadpool. I mean, I think I do they've too. really done well at marketing the sequel like that. The one where he dresses up as Bob Ross and, like, does a, does a, a twist on that. Like, that is genius. I've seen that commercial, like, 15 times. Uh, I just think Deadpool is it's killing it on, like, free media. So I'll see it. I just want to see Solo more. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I doing this week? What am I doing this week? Eurovision is over. The U2 concert is over. I'm going to the spy museum, y'all. New York oh, has a spy museum Ooh. where yeah, you like, actually yeah, do spy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've never been, but I've always wanted to go. I've heard of it for sure. I'm going. I'm going hell, on hell Saturday. Yeah. I'm going so go to go to the spy ask, museum. How do, you, how do you feel about Eurovision? Are you okay with the outcome? Ooh, I, I, I'm not. I'm I was going to say, wow. can of worms. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. sorry uh for those of you who don't know know, israel won eurovision this year yeah which is interesting i i'm not talking politics i'm talking about the song itself and that's all i'm talking about here so the song i found catchy i think it doesn't hold up to a an intellectual (laughs) (laughs) examination Uh, it's eurovision this it's is never going to be intellectual. Come on. It's Eurovision. We like it because it's trash. Listen, that's true. I love Eurovision, but that's we like it because true. it's trash. That's very true. I had a really good time. I organized a huge party. There was a lot of ice cream involved. Um, and it went surprisingly well for being a party organized by me. So I enjoyed it. I can't wait till next year. Um, I felt like we deserved better trash. I, I, I agree. That's my feeling. So, All right. Uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? You can find me at the awesome and interesting Twitter account, Space Cat Gal on Twitter, or you can support uh, me in my run for Congress by going to supportbrianna.com. All right. Christina, what about you? Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, et cetera. And you can find the content that I help produce and wrangle at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and also at youtube.com slash polygon, which is where my videos live. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rockets. Uh, if you liked it, please do rate it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rather. Give it a review and tune in next week for another exciting show. This episode of Rockets <laughs> is terminated. 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 Terminated.